0: Training Tuesday.
1: Tuesday,
0: Tuesday, Tuesday. So how did it go this weekend?
1: Yeah, um, I don't know. Not great. I've had a couple. I mean, I've raced... Let's see, I raced... Last month or two, I did two halves, did an 8K, and did a 10-mile. And they're all just, like, fine. You know? Like, not quite PRs, but not so mm. far off either that it's, like, a disaster. But I, I don't know. I think it's just with the winter we've had it's hard to be like that sharp and i mean honestly like the way it kind of works out for me in the winter is like we get on the track on tuesday so we're getting our speed stuff and then i get my mileage in but it's like usually our friday is like an lt workout and that's the one they get to hit so if i'm racing 8k 10 mile half marathon it's like the lt's the most important stuff and that's the stuff that i'm not hitting right now so I don't know. I'm, I'm trying not to be too hard on myself, but uh feels a little disappointing. I, mean, huh. I ran 49.19. Uh, PR is 48.20. So, I mean, not so far off, mm-hmm. and it was windy, but I don't know. You're always trying to PR, right?
0: Oh, like six seconds a mile. Probably doesn't sound like much to the layperson who doesn't run as fast as you do, but when you're splitting hairs six minutes a mi- or six seconds a mile, feels like an eternity sometimes, doesn't it? Especially because you were probably putting out yeah. more effort to sustain that pace than you felt like you should if the conditions sucked, especially. So I get
1: it. Exactly. So I mean, I looked at the. It's exactly right. It's like I can't even blame it on tactics because I looked at my heart rate right afterwards and it was like 193 Ooh. for the last five miles. Like. I don't think I could have tried hard, so it's not like an effort issue. One ninety three for over
0: twenty five minutes. That is, uh, that's a painful, that's a painful bit of time there.
1: Yeah, <laughs> oh. that's how it felt. Um,
0: I, I will say, um, this winter has been, I think, the worst winter that I can remember as far as clean roads go. Like I live out, I live north a bit, but I have these county oh, highways. Yeah they're like 55 mile an hour highways that get cleaned up pretty good, actually. Like, yeah, county highway running sucks, but they also get taken care of. So, like, usually I can get clean running. In the last winter out here, because it's my second year in this house, I used to live in the cities, you know, with, when I had access to sidewalks and all that. But um, I could run freely last winter. It was like, if we had a storm, whatever, it melted off, the pavement dried. I mean. I did intervals on Saturday morning, five, I did, I was going to do mile repeats and I changed it to five minute repeats because what's the point? And I ended up running it in six inches of snow. Cause the, the path, it wasn't cleared yet. Like that's stupid. Like we're dealing with that crap. So I get it. I'm, I'm ready for, yeah. I'm ready for some dry terrain.
1: Yeah. And I mean, this is exactly what you said. It's like, cold's fine as yeah. long as there's clear ground, right? Like that's not going to stop you from getting the work in, but if you're slipping around, it's at a certain point you just can't, get that same mm. stimulus yeah i didn't
0: run one repeat tyler under seven minute pace on saturday five minute <laughs> i'm not joking and i averaged over and i was in thresh. i mean i was breaching threshold towards the end i think i met i hit i was running low 170s for me once i got into the bulk of the effort which is right where i want to be running like 7 10 pace in the uh, snow so yeah. i don't even want to talk about it i get it um yeah i should probably uh introduce you uh even though you've already been on this podcast uh we're talking to tyler German. Today, Tyler, you were um, you were on the podcast. How long ago? A year? Not even a year ago.
1: Not a year. I think uh, I think it was after the summer, you wiped right? the
0: floor with everybody at the Afton twenty five k. Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. Probably uh-huh.
1: late summer, early fall. Yeah. You That's ran in right? your
0: uh, vapor flies. I made. I poked at you a little bit. It doesn't matter <laughs> at all. In fact, I I have a pair of vapor flies now. I've never. I was running in the alphas and I hadn't tried the vapors and now I'm like I could get away with the vapors on the trail. I think.
1: Yeah. They're they're a little mm-hmm. lower to the ground. Uh, it feels like you're not gonna roll your ankle quite yeah. as much. I thought
0: I'd see you. Um...
1: Although oh, I you did, did in that race. Oh, I rolled my ankle constantly. I was sore <laughs> ankles uh, for weeks. Is that percent. the only trail race? <laughs> so it wasn't, was that the it only it trail race you've
0: run to date? Was that 25k last year? Yep. Mm-hmm. That um that same race series has a uh, 17 miler down in Zumbro uh, this next weekend. So like in six days. Um, and I thought I might see your name on the start list just for, like, something to do, but you, you weren't, so it's never too <laughs> late, Tyler.
1: I imagine that's going to be very, very sloppy. Technical,
0: much more technical than the one you ran, yeah. Um, but it's great. So, okay, yeah, maybe I have a chance then.
1: Yeah, well, good luck out there. Uh, I won't be signing uh, up last that's minute. That's
0: right. Um, so I wanted to talk to you today about, like, Marathon half marathon training some of your I don't know some of your thoughts regarding it all I know you've been at this for a while um, with purpose and um, I saw a post you made and it stuck with me this was a few months ago and I think you went out and ran I don't know 216 in the marathon or 215 or I don't remember what it was and you posted afterwards that you looking back and you listed out your marathon PRs or your last marathons and you were like all right. Well, obviously the results continue to be similar to one another, which means I either need to go shorter and faster, or longer, and but or something might need to change. And and I found that very interesting because, um, as someone who's trying to break through, obviously you're probably splitting. You're you're to the point where you got to split hairs, right, and get lost in the weeds. I imagine you're at that point, or are you not?
1: Yeah, I mean it's, the I guess. I don't know. I mean, this is a frustration. And like, I ran my first marathon. Let's see, it was 2015. And I ran 222. And since then, not that it's been like a linear progression, but I've gotten down to 212, which is Mm -hmm. very proud of it. Um, Huge improvement. But, and like, I found, I guess, the type of training that gets me to there. But, I'm kind of at the point where I feel like I've gotten all I get out of that type of training that I've been doing. And so now I need, like, if there is another breakthrough, I mean, it's possible Mm -hmm. there isn't. Right. But if there is, I think I need to start trying something different versus just more of the same pushing it faster or longer, but like something totally different, even if it's Mm -hmm. just short term, like whatever, like train for a mile and see how close I can get to four or run a 50 mile and see if I can get under five hours, you know? I think, and I mean, even just mentally, yeah. honestly, like, I feel like I've had so many races in the past two, three, four years that are, I mean, similar to what I said about this time all this weekend, where it's not really a bad race, mm-hmm. but it's disappointing in that I don't feel like I'm progressing. So I'm still kind of there. I haven't really like fleshed out what, what this like change in trajectory is going to be. Um, I'm running a 50 K on the roads awesome. in three weeks Sweet. in Madison. Um, that's, a, I guess, a start. It's not like a full dive into anything long, but, uh, it's, I don't know, I'm trying to do what sounds fun in the short term and then come back, mm-hmm. hopefully refreshed.
0: Well, the 50K is the first
1: step in that direction. So, uh, yeah. And, uh, maybe it just keeps me going in that direction and uh-huh. I will come back, but I don't know, taking that for, for the
0: listeners who don't remember, um, we interviewed you back in July or August and we kind of talked about a lot uh we, we really dove back into your like your running progression, your history. We talked about a few nuances, some training philosophies you had. In fact, we refer to your episode a good bit and people that listen refer to a few things you've actually said during that during that podcast. So um what you said had some impact and it stuck with some people, but as a refresher, um just list off so we aren't RPRs, obviously, but it's good to know what high level running uh looks like especially high level attempting to break through running is and you're right on that line, right? You're like so you're like right there. So what are your mm-hmm. what are your uh current personal bests to just build some credibility to you, Tyler?
1: Sure, let's do it. Uh marathon two twelve forty, half marathon one oh two fifty two and um I guess fifty K two forty eight mm-hmm. thirty eight, something like that. Um, at the time that was the second on the American list all time, but I think it's probably down to six or seventh now. Okay. So kind of part of the goal coming up here is to get back to uh, the American records a little bit fast, but if I can get back to second on that list, that'd be and, a good wow, step. Wow.
0: Okay. And have you, uh, have you shot in a real shot at the 5k or like anything like that?
1: Like... I have, I don't know. I just don't think I have the fast twitch. Fiber content necessary. I mean, I've run, let's say, 1423, yeah. I think, last oh, yeah. summer on that track one, and that's okay. the best that I've
0: gone. It's funny, like, um, probably, I don't know, 50% of our listeners can't hit that pace at an all-out sprint, and then we call that not having enough fast twitch. <laughs> There's some irony there because... Yeah. <laughs> well, no, it's true. You're I get it because you're... Like, you're. I would say your your most impressive PR would probably be the half then running 102, huh? That's flying
1: maybe yeah that was a perfect day that was I mean my 10k PR I technically split 4750 in the 10 mile <laughs> in that race so that would be my 10 mile PR too that was just a beautiful day oh my day goodness in and for
0: people who can't do quick math uh like my co-host Bracken who's not here today who's on vacation still for anybody wondering uh what would that be like your half marathon mile average uh and up to the marathon what's the average pacing there
1: uh so that's like half marathon it's probably about 448 um so it'd be like 30 flat k or yeah 35 for the 10k so slightly faster than that cuz 30 flat would get you like yep. sixty three, twenty or something um and then so marathon i think it's like five cuz 5 flat would be 21130 or two eleven yeah. whatever right i think it's about five hundred fours for the 212
0: um all right. Mm-hmm. That's quick. That's quick. Um, and what do you think it takes just to set the stage here? Like, what do you think it takes to like, like, obviously you've bro- if you're running two twelve, 12, you run two thirteen a couple times in the marathon, like, what would you consider a breakthrough? Like, are you, have you breached that threshold? Like where you're like, when you show up to a race, like you might be on the athletes to watch list or what, what would you consider like a breakthrough or what needs to happen time-wise to progress in your mind? I
1: mean, any PR That's counts true. as a breakthrough, right? If you show up a day and you're one of the fastest 100%. you've ever run before. I mean, i always going to be happy with that. Um, I think long term, there's like a, whatever, like a career goal mm. of breaking 210. Um, I mean, there's times where that seems more possible than others. Sometimes it feels like that'll mm-hmm. never happen. But uh, that would be like, I mean, man, if I did that, I could retire the next day and be perfectly satisfied with that. And I know I say that sure. now, having not done it. If I do it, I'll probably be like, "Yeah, well, let's uh, go see if I can make the uh, Olympics now or whatever." Um, you know? But how many? I'd like to think that yeah, one. I could. could. Live with. How <laughs> many uh,
0: U.S. marathoners went sub two ten last year? Do you know?
1: Oh, I don't know. Um, at least five,
0: right? You would know better than I would. But it's a handful. It's not like hundreds or even dozens. It's a pretty select few Americans who who have gone under two ten
1: recently mm-hmm yeah no i less than 10 i think more than five last year somewhere in there
0: um yeah all right yeah because i don't i don't keep up like i'm trying to keep up and with the marathon scene i've never raced a marathon truly myself i'm considering uh this fall i'm also considering trying to run a fast 5k um this summer i'll be, I'll be a master's athlete in a month and a half and chasing I was explaining this on one of our last training Tuesdays where, um, it almost feels like your slate is wiped completely clean when the clock clock turns 40, because you're put in a different category and there's separate records held, you know, once you reach that age for absolutely everything, like Mm -hmm. the local trail racing scene has them and, and, uh, and some of that. So I'm kind of just waiting for the clock to turn, which sounds bizarre, but I'm looking to you know run fast. Like if I could break 15 in the 5K as a 40 year old, I would feel pretty ba- pretty badass about that. So like things like that, I'm thinking about. Um, so we have a
1: well, they just ran the uh, the Masters 10 mile U.S. Championships this weekend. I think the winner was about was 49 low. Uh, I think you're sub 50. That puts you in the top Four. three. So. You don't put that 59. on
0: your radar i ran 459s for a 5k on the road last summer i think it's extending that out another seven might take some work
1: i yeah, was solo, you're solo I was right
0: there's something about a race you're environment wrong. you're not wrong um yeah i did that on a loop in uh in like my neighborhood just a three-quarter mile you know for a turn loop yeah there. i saw
1: the strava yeah um
0: okay so let's get down to it so I was really like kind of putting myself in your shoes a little bit when you wrote that post about something has to change, right? Like, or something might need to change, or the cage might need to be rattled to induce um, some training progression or some personal records. For me, the biggest one that I found without changing any more time investment was when I found Spartan Racing and trail running, I started running uphill like a maniac. I got an incline trainer. I was running at 30%. I never did that. That's stupid. Why would I do that? I was going to Highland Ski Hill, running up and down it, and then suddenly my metrics just like pop. They just start like strength running, like the strength and stride translated to flat running for me, and it was this huge revelation I had. Like no shit uphill running. That's strength running at its finest. My stride is less likely to break down on flat, and it created a more powerful efficiency for me. Did I know that would happen? No, but it was like an ex, it was just an interesting subject study. Um, I mean, my 5K, I dropped 30 seconds, and I think I was put 30 seconds in like a three-month period once I introduced that stuff, for example, even though I'm running uphill at three miles an hour, which is slow, right, at 30%. So for me, it was like that was the most eye-opening progression, and then my second revelation was something that you've been believing in forever, which is like, I used to do over speed training all the time. It was like, you want to race the five K at five minute pace. We'll go train at five, four forty pace only like go run over speed, over speed. And I would never go out and do tempo and threshold. And then I'd get a mile and a half into my five K and hate my life and couldn't understand why I couldn't maintain and all, you don't understand. So those would be like my two big revelations over the last like five to eight years. Um, so before we look to the future, what, what are some maybe like, uh, unveilings that you've, realized over the last five or 10 years in your training like things that opened your eyes to progression is there anything that jumps out
1: yeah i mean so if i was to go through like what i think the best marathon training is or what what type of training has gotten me to like where i am right now um a lot so it's really like so i mean the key is like Mm. LT type training right and that's like everyone knows that but that's the most important stuff. And specifically the thing I think that really works for the marathon is fart licks with floats. And I've talked about this before yep. and when I was on last time, but the whole idea of like an hour of three minutes on two minutes float, where like the three minutes is half marathon pace. And then the two minutes float is like marathon pace plus 20 or 30 seconds. So like not just a jog, it's like, you're staying, you're just relaxing, floating. You're not pressing mm-hmm. for two minutes and then you go back to pressing, not pressing. And I think that just teaches your body to like really be able to recover mm-hmm. at that flow pace, which efficiency wise is like, now that's your bottom end. Like as bad as things go, that's your bottom end. And I don't know, it, I remember uh, Jay Johnson, he's a coach down in uh, Colorado. I remember in high school, we were. I was at a camp with him And he talked about this whole idea of like fartlek training is like just injecting a little bit of lactate into your blood and then like letting it buffer it, taking it out and then injecting a little bit more in. And Mm -hmm. I don't know if that's the most scientific way to describe it, but um, I think that's kind of cool is that like you're injecting a little bit of lactate in and then you're buffering it at this quick pace. And that just makes you, it just Mm -hmm. pushes your efficiency I mean, it just pushes the bottom up of efficiency is the way I like to think about it. But I mean, outside of that, there's just like, it's not complicated, right? You just get your mileage in, you get in your long runs and you hit speed every now and then. And I mean, it's really, marathon training, it's really not complicated. You just have to like put in the work consistently and don't, I mean, you get the right, right realm of paces every now and then in that LT range, and then you get your easy mileage, you get your long runs. You, you wait until you adapt and you get better. I mean, and-
0: <laughs> you're not wrong. You're, would you say the same thing goes for half marathon Half marathon training? Would, they, would you lump them together, similar principles, energy systems?
1: Not quite. I mean, I think, for me at least, I think a little bit more sharpness is hmm. necessary for the half. Because I think for a long time I was, um, I don't know, I just, whatever, like relatively, I wasn't comfortable at under five minute pace. So I can't like, you can't just be pushing a pace that feels like a sprint for the whole half, right? So as you get to the shorter distances, you need a little bit more like whatever, like track speed, specificity, it can even be hills, but something that like gets your muscle power and stride efficiency to the level where you're not like totally redlining at this half marathon pace because you're not gonna be able to right. redline the whole thing
0: yeah i could see that it's again it's funny hearing like the shorter distances being the half marathon but when you train like a marathoner it's racing down kind of and then the 10 mile i suppose is sort of as low as low as you go mm-hmm. uh who who taught you or who who introduced you to like the float style workouts your current track club or was it a coach back in the day or where, where'd that come from
1: yeah so that was uh I really picked that one up. So after college, I moved to Flagstaff for a couple of years and um, just overlapping with some of the groups out there, Ben Rosario's group and uh, Nick Arseniaga and just everyone out there just asking for advice as I was trying to qualify for Olympic trials the first time. And that was something that came up. It's like, hey, you don't just run your interval and stop or jog. Like if you can push it into a float, now you're turning it into this huge aerobic stimulus which translates to the marathon very okay. well so down there down in arizona
0: mm-hmm.
1: um so
0: would that be considered so i went right away and experimented with your 3-2 float workout um like in the next couple of weeks um <clears throat> Mm -hmm. And uh, I loved it. I absolutely loved it. I floated at like, I floated at like (laughs) 5.55 to six minute pace. And I I started at 5.20 pace for my ons and worked my way down. And I probably could have tightened that up a little bit, right? I don't know, Um, but man, it's a, it felt good, good. but it was, it was really what you described. Like if you implode, at least this is going to reduce, this is going to be your worst, like let's say you crash and burn in the last couple miles of a half of a marathon. This is bad as it's going to get as far as pacing goes. But what it really taught me was to trust that my body could recover while still working. Um, and I think that was the most mm-hmm. powerful thing. Like, let's say you realize you've revved and you're you're at mile ten of your half marathon, and you and you're like, "Ooh, I might be, I might be imploding here." I got three miles to go. Not that you should be undulating in and out of pacing, of course, during a race. But if you needed to something like that could work where you just say, okay, I'm going to allow myself to just gather here for the next 90 seconds and then get back to work. And if you can teach your body to recover while still moving respectively quick, I think that's absolutely huge. Um, what, what, how would you describe the feeling? Like from going to like float style work to how it would translate to the race for you? Like, have you know? could you describe like, would you, any difference between like pre-float style work and then post-float style work? Um, how that would affect how you feel during a race? I don't know if that question makes sense, but you following me?
1: No, it does. Yeah, yeah. And um, I think just kind of following up on what you were saying on the on the lower on the rest portion, how you're like learning to trust your mm-hmm. body to recover at that pace. I think it also teaches you the right pace to run in the fast portion, right? Because you know you're not finishing the interval yeah. and just standing there. So you're not going to push it all the way to the end. You're finding that right pace. And I think that's the thing that transfers to the race, where you're not just looking at your watch, running a pace, trying to stick with a pack. You're actually reading your body and knowing what you're going to be able to do and what you're going to be able to hold. And I think that's I think mm. that's very important because things can be so different with terrain, conditions, and you need to know those – those signs that your body's giving, not just the signs that your watch is giving That's a good on how point. you're doing.
0: Yeah. And it also, it like, you're right. If you mismanage or miscalculate that effort, you'll pay for it in the back half. Either you can't keep your float or you can't keep your intended speed on your effort. So it's understanding the patience game and it's understanding what your body's telling you. I think you're exactly correct. Um, so when it comes to a race, mm-hmm. then you're saying it helps you, it helps you f- understand what your body's ready for during a race or how would you describe that?
1: Yeah. I mean, that, I think that's always the way to maximize your effort. You know, it's like, no, or your body's so good at telling you how it's doing and almost projecting what you're going to be able to do. Um, so we, was, this is kind of funny. This kind of ties in. So we have a miler on our team and we ran an 8k team competition two weeks ago and we needed a fourth guy. So we mm. got our miler to come run it. And he ran really well. He ran 23, 28. And the the thing he said in the cooldown, which I thought was really interesting, is like he's only running mile events and he's running AK. So he's moving way up. And he was just amazed that like his body knew the right effort mm-hmm. to run because he had no idea what time he could run, what pace he should run. But he was like, he just kind of went out and found the effort to where he could even split it and he left it all out there by the end. And, and I think, I mean, we mm-hmm. all have that ability of like trusting our body to tell us what to do. But oftentimes we go into a race with a time goal. Uh, I want to stick with this pack and we just ignore what our body's telling us. And it's nearly always to mm-hmm. our detriment, right? Because if you, I mean, you, you might go too slow, you might go too fast. Um, and you, you're always going to leave something on the table. I mean, if you don't have the fitness or if you're fitter than you think, you really can only do what your body can do. And so trusting it to tell you that is usually what's going to maximize your potential, right?
0: Yeah, I think you said something in our interview with you the first time, something about most people will set like a pace or a goal for their, let's say their marathon and they go out. And they train at that pace or they do whatever they're doing. And they're not really listening to their body. They're just like, I got this goal in mind. And then they go out and they try to run 220 and whatever. But I believe you had said like, no, like we're going to train and we're going to take what our body gives us. We're going to listen to the signals and run the pacing that makes sense for the workouts. Then the result's going to be what the result's going to be. But sometimes like training off of a goal pace or something like that can be to detriment. Is that right along the right lines? if I recall.
1: Yeah, and it's it's funny. It's like I, I, I said that, but I need that reminder probably once yeah. a month anyways, right? Because it's like we all fall into those traps of going in with a goal and not, I don't know, running those... I was running mile repeats last week and it was just a mm-hmm. pre-race workout. I wanted to run like LT effort and for some reason in my head, I was like, I need to run 4.48s. And I'm doing it in my neighborhood loop. I was running 448s. And it was just harder than it needed to be. And I just stayed on the 448s, right? Because it's like, that's mm-hmm. what I want to run in the race. And I was on my cool down just thinking how stupid that was. Like, it's 15 degrees out. I'm on a neighborhood loop and it's windy by myself. Like, I wish I would have just pulled it back to 455, gotten the right effort right. for the day, and then... Going into the race and when the conditions are better, run the four forty eights, you know? So I say these things, but I don't do them. We'll always
0: (laughs) make those mistakes. Um Yeah, and those can that's another winter condition thing. We always think like if you try to I don't know about you, but like if I try to run was that like your last bigger workout before the ten miler?
1: It was just a tune up. It was just a three by mile and then four by two hundred, so I always try to
0: avoid race pace the week of a race or leading in because I don't know about you, but it always feels harder than it should the week of a race. And I'm like, I'm never going to be able to hold this for Mm ten miles. This felt terrible today. It's like I don't know if my body's. Yeah. Is that is that did that go on in your head a little bit of that narrative? yes exactly I refuse because I've learned it too many times if I'm like I'm gonna go out and feel the pace out it's like I don't know race week taper or whatever just it messes with me so now I'm either I either go notably slower or I go notably faster and shorter but I just like can't do race pace stuff race week anymore messes with all right well Mm -hmm. yeah so with the so with the float stuff then so do you listen to our podcast or no I'm sure the answer is no and that's quite a right
1: no, I totally have. Since okay. I was on, I've I haven't listened to every single one, but I've okay. listened to it. Well,
0: periodically. Well, I'm I'm a thief, dude. I have you piqued my interest with the float style workouts, and I have been throwing them down my throat. <laughs> I first experimented myself doing some quarter mile on and off with purposeful recovery, uh, meaning like I'm intending a pace. And then obviously your three two float. Now every uh, let's say two out of three workouts I do, my recovery has a at least a prescription. Meaning like at worst, I'm going to run 645 to seven minute pace if I'm doing a longer interval and I, I don't know, but, but typically in the past it would have been a slow shuffle jog or a walk or stop rest recovery. And now I'm always have, I prescribe my rest pace and then the intervals are what they will be. My heart intervals will be what they will be, so to speak. So as long as I can maintain what I would consider my float or my prescribed recovery, then I'll let the quality be what it is. So sort of w- to the testament of what you explained in our first conversation. And so I've been throwing that after I experimented, notice I liked it, noticed some, some incremental gains right away. I've been prescribing some of that to my athletes. I've been talking about it on the podcast. So if you do listen, I'm sure you're rolling your eyes. Like he's like that dude stole it from me in a sense. Of course, nobody stole, nobody stole <laughs> no, full I style workouts. <laughs> and I know they've existed forever and in and out of threshold, but what, Me and my co-host have this debate once in a while. What determines a float? In my opinion, it's a prescribed pace that isn't backing off entirely. But I'm just making that up. Here I am giving people advice, and I can't define a float. Can you do that for me?
1: The way I think of it is the fastest you can go without pressing. And so, I mean, honestly, when you get into a marathon, that's kind of the pace you're going for. But it shouldn't be that. But... It's like, and I mean, it's a learned thing to not be pressing at Mm -hmm. whatever your float pace is, right? At first, I think you start, I don't know, when you went out and you did your first float workout and you were running 550s on the float, that probably felt Mm -hmm. like pressing, but I think with, with doing that enough, that kind of, you have the fitness to where that can be achieved without pressing. And I mean, I think that's part of the benefit of it is where you're fine that you can just like float through it and like not be pushing off the ground. It's almost like your feet are just landing and moving. And it's like, I mean, that that's, if you can think about like what it would be like to float if you had like wings and you were just mm-hmm. moving your legs and not even pushing off. That's kind of, I don't know, the sensation Should I be like comfortable? think of it as. no. But you're not pressing. See, this is why. I... Like you're not forcefully pushing off the ground. No, I know. Yeah. And that's
0: why it gets muddy, though, because.
1: No, or no, I not... totally know.
0: <laughs> what what I realize now in, in these float style workouts, with purposeful prescribed recovery pacing, is that the first part of the float sucks. Like I get out and my everything in my body is telling me to go slower. go sl- Like you need to go slower. Like this is difficult. Mm-hmm. Like at times, like I want to slow more, but I, I keep my watch up. I look at my pacing and I stay on it. And then about halfway through that float, I find it starting to feel comfortable. And then by the time the next interval comes around, I'm kind of ready to go. I'm like, okay, I can push again, but it's pushing through that first, like 30 seconds for me of that float, especially deep into a workout D as we get in the back half of that float style, where it's, it's just trusting that you can Mm -hmm. recover while still sticking to the task at hand and so that's where a lot of people jump ship they're like i can't possibly recover and they back way off and they they screw up their their float style workout i see it all the time with my athletes metrics that come in when i check in over the weekends and i'm like
1: you,
0: you had a prescribed float pace of seven minutes and at the end you, you walk recovered your last one like that's not the, then I've, obviously we could do that
1: <laughs> no we've all been there come on everyone everyone's going oh, yeah. so, one of these. so
0: do you feel the same like how should the float like that's how i describe it like yes it should be comfortable but i have to be really purposeful the first part of that float when i transition from my hard effort into the float does that change over time for you
1: you think of it as like a heart rate graph right because if you did like three minute with reps with like pure jog rest you could do one minute rest and you'll be ready to go again in a a minute. Right. But with the float, you turn it into like a three, two. So you, you're not going to immediately go back to like recovered, but it's just slowly getting back to recovered. And you have two whole minutes instead of a minute. I mean, I've tried these float workouts like four, one, and those can be miserable. Right. Because the one minute is just not enough. And you really got to adjust your four minutes. And I mean, that's, Part of a skill, the skill too, right? Just like that, you're knowing you need to push a little less mm-hmm. on the four minutes. Um, I mean, I've even done like mile on mile float, and I find that to be a very easy workout, just because even if I'm floating at five thirty, like I am recovered, but mm-hmm. three minutes into that, you know, so it's it's just the duration balance, and I think you get a little mm-hmm. more if you're gonna float it. What do you think? You typically. Or you back off? What do you think you
0: should see your heart rate do uh, during the float? Like, um, w- what should you see the trend? But let's say we're doing three minutes on, two minutes float. W- what should we see happen by the end of that two minutes floating?
1: I don't know. I've never actually looked at it. I, I think I just uh, project the effort to what the heart rate would be, but I don't know what it actually would be.
0: For me, I w- for me, when I when I typically do like let's say the three two, I think I'll get into the mid one seventies upper 170s if i'm pushing and then i will float back down to 150 155 155 155 probably to 160 and then i'm back up again for example so i'll probably see a 20 beat per minute swing by the end of that two minutes
1: i, I suppose you're just okay I, I typically run a little bit higher so I'll be like 185 on the ons and then I'd probably get 170, 175 oh, yeah, on the off. say
0: if you average 193 or whatever it was for the last five miles of your ten mile, your heart rate runs a little higher.
1: Yeah, I run a little bit higher. on that. What's on your the max heart rate that you've seen recently? <laughs> I I don't know. I mean, I said mm. 200 in that race by the end, but um, I would imagine it. I don't know. Yeah, I don't. I haven't seen higher than that. Yeah. Um.
0: So, yeah. <laughs> and just to, unless some of you listening are a little confused, like when we talk about float style work, just to simplify it, it is you're doing your interval hard pace, prescribed pace, and then you're backing off at another prescribed pace. Your rest is still purposeful, um, pacing. So you're never fully resting or recovering, um, just to simplify it in case anybody's a little confused, do you have any other um, float style workouts that jump out at you that uh, kind of you go back to once in a while?
1: Yeah. Well, I like the, I like throwing the mile on mile float into a okay. long run sometimes. So just like, let's say I'm doing 24 miles and 16 of them mile on mile float. I and mean, it's really only an eight by mile, which isn't that extreme of a workout, but it and it makes the long run go by quick and you end up with a, Pretty quick, long run yeah, yeah. overall. What's the goal for the mile
0: on pace-wise?
1: Um, I'll do like four fifty-five to five, so it's it's somewhere in between half and probably about half okay. marathon effort. And then the, but I I'd like to keep it. A little, if I was telling someone to do it, I would keep it a little longer than half marathon okay. effort.
0: And then the float would be. How would you decide what that would be?
1: Um, I mean, I I guess I'd call it like marathon plus twenty to thirty. But again, effort is. The better mm-hmm. guideline.
0: Okay, so mile on, mile float. I like that one. um Any others that have stuck?
1: Minute on, minute float. It's always fun because um, that one you're just changing yeah, your yeah. effort so often that you don't even have time to yeah. think. But I mean, that one's fun because you never like you never go in too deep on the ons that you can't mm-hmm. recover on the off I like that one a lot. When you're
0: training for like halves, fulls do you try to accumulate a total amount of time or distance in quality? Like if you're creating a quality day, are you like, well, I need to run at least eight miles of purposeful work today or an hour's worth of purposeful work? Like how do you break that down when you're training for the longer distances, half and full?
1: Yeah, I think that's about right. Because I think early in the segment we'll do like an hour part like, and I'll be trying to get 11 and a half hmm. to 12 miles in with that. And then we'll push it up to 75 and 80 to 90 by the end, um, which gets starts to get a little dangerous as far as like 90 minutes of effort. I think you really got to be controlled there. Otherwise, you start pushing into like the race effort kind of mm-hmm. realm because um, that can be a big one. You can just leave a little bit too much out there.
0: Yeah, if I recall correctly, when we last chatted, I think you said you left your race in one of those workouts. I don't remember what it was.
1: Yeah, definitely. I did a 90-minute three-on-two float, average 5.02 pace. <sighs> so that was, was about a race Don't effort. you wish, like,
0: when you hit a day like that, I think this often in training, you're like, why couldn't today be race day? It probably was one of those days for you, right, where you're like, this was a good day.
1: Yeah, yeah. If I could fart like 5.02, then I should be able to just run four fifty-five. Easy, fives, easy right?
0: breezy, no problem. Uh-huh.
1: Yeah. And then... Take that through twenty miles and hope you got something left. It didn't work know. that
0: way though, did it? The legs were a little flat probably, it sounded like when you ended up.
1: Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. Ended up with a 224 at Chicago. Yeah. Which it was humid, but that's worse than it should, yeah. way worse than it should have been.
0: What is um I'd like a list of, of questions I, I want to ask you, so I'm gonna fire through a few of these. Um Yeah, what uh if you are running 100-mile weeks, let's just say 120-mile weeks, somewhere in there, I see you do a lot of doubles, 10 and 10. Are you running about 120, 110 miles?
1: Yeah, well, so I've I've started in the past, I've done, like, 120, and then I'll sometimes push 130, 140. What I've tried recently is to just try to keep, like, a little protection from overtraining is I'm taking one day off a week. So lately, I've been trying to hit, like, 110-ish with in six days. Um, so the other days, there's a lot of 20 yeah, miles. That's
0: days cramming in there. it in. Um, so let's say you're running 110s, and you have a uh, an A race that matters coming up. Maybe just for math purposes, let's use 100 miles. Like the three weeks leading into an A race, okay. what would your overall mileage look like? In your opinion, like what is what does a lead in look like? How much volume are you reducing? Obviously, there's some nuances with your quality work too, but like overall volume, are you pushing through or are you reducing methodically
1: yeah i don't i don't like to pull back too early just because i i feel like i get a little bit flat um i think three weeks out I, i like to start like being careful about the intensity and then probably almost peak mileage three weeks out two weeks out like Ninety, eighty to eighty, probably more like eighty percent of mileage, and then the week of fifty percent of mileage with a day off in there, and just a real big taper. Okay. That so you kind of hold
0: off to like really hard charge in with the taper the last week for the most part.
1: Yeah, but always so. uh, it's mm-hmm. always an
0: interesting thing because then you have to trust, you have to like put your trust in the fact that it's going to work. That being lazy isn't going to make you suck. Mm-hmm. Like fit, like just what to do with the extra time? A day off in the middle of the week, like what do you do with that, right? And then you wonder how your body's gonna come around.
1: I never what know what to eat? eat. It's like my, just, well, it's just like I, I feel like I'm just as hungry, but it's like I've burned like fifty percent of the calories uh, I normally burn. Yeah, like no, nah, I hear that, that a
0: lot. Sure. So do you? So as far as okay, so you're reducing that eighty percent ish, two three weeks out, and then down to fifty. What are some of these? Uh, Everybody wants to know these and I think this question's stupid, but I'm gonna ask it anyways. As far as leading in the last like the last like two weeks <laughs> or so, especially the week of the race, like what are some of the um what are some of the staples that you find have worked for you? As far as showing up on race day and feeling pretty good and confident? Yeah, like, like workout, workout wise?
1: wise, yeah. Okay, yeah. Um before a marathon, we'll only do one really, and we'll do uh We'll do like three by mile at mm-hmm. marathon pace and then like four by 200. So, I mean, a mile at marathon pace is pretty light mm-hmm. and we'll do it on the track too. So it's, it feels like walking to run a five flat when you're starting to taper up and you're ready to go. So we'll do that. And it's, it's almost nothing the last week and then just strides the day before. Um, and yeah, I mean, like you said, it's just like a trust that like, whatever cliche, mm-hmm. haze in the barn. And you don't need to put in more work then at that point. What about the last true
0: long run before a half or a full? How long out is your last true long run? I have a very strong opinion on this based on my own experience in athletes. It it has changed over the years. But what is yours? Last true long run.
1: Uh, We'll do two. So three weeks out, if it's a marathon, we'll do really long three weeks out. So we'll do like 27 to 30, three weeks out, two weeks out. Like 18 to 20, so two hours basically, and then probably 90 minutes one week out, and just easy in those okay. last two. So three weeks out
0: is your last true long one. That yeah. was that, there yeah, there like, is no right answer, but opinion? that was the right answer, Tyler. I believe. I think three okay. weeks <laughs> out, people try to push it to two, and I think it's too close. I think it's too close, systemically, metabolically. Uh, I think three is the magic, the ticket, which seems like forever, right? Because by the time the race, the marathon or the half comes, it's like, you feel like it's been forever since you've run that long and how are you possibly going to go out and race? Well, when, but mm-hmm. it doesn't work that way.
1: How about this one? So our coach likes to do, so after that three, the three weeks out that over distance, he likes to do like three days later, like a 90, 80 to 90 hmm. minute fart lick. So you're going into it like, fatigued still from that over distance probably a little glycogen depleted still and then you're hitting that 90 minutes averaging almost marathon pace and it's almost like simulating like the last whatever half of the marathon and then that's two and a half weeks out so you I mean you still have two and a half weeks to cover to recover but you're kind of pushing up against it at this point I don't hate at that it. point right are
0: you is then that long run two weeks out that's done at like a relaxed effort? If that yeah, one's easy, that one's then easy. yeah, I think I get on board with that. That makes sense to me. I mean, I don't, I don't think okay. the rules. I don't know. I'm just, you know, I learn as I go too, but that sounds all right. It's worked <laughs> out for you other than that one time you left your race in that workout,
1: huh? It's a little dangerous, but mm-hmm. yeah, you got to be careful.
0: <laughs> well, okay. So we, I have this fascination with float recovery. I'm going to continue to, to experiment and play around with that. And, and I, I think of you when I think of float recovery style workouts, Um, but what about the other side of the coin, the non, yeah, the non-float recovery side of things like, uh, like when you're taking true rest or walking rest or very slow jog recovery, um, when, when is the time and place for that sort of work?
1: Yeah, well, I kind of, I guess I kind of touched on that earlier where I think if you do all this float style recovery stuff, you, you lose a little bit of that sharpness where, Like, if you're running a a 10 mile, a 10K, a half, where you can really, like, push that pace to that red line and Mm. feel somewhat comfortable, right? Um, So, I think, like, if you're training for a half or a 10K, you need to have some of those just standing rests in there and then be pushing that your LT pace a little further. Um, So, we'll do, like, three by three mile. And on a good day, we'll be hitting, Mm. like, 450s there, which... I mean, maybe on a three-minute for a float, we'll hit, like, 450, but not for 15 minutes straight if we're floating. So I think that is necessary, and even, like, periodization of that, where if you're doing all floats forever, I I think you do run up to that top end of, like, all right, it just feels too fast to be running these half-marathon efforts, so... I guess all I have to say is like if you do too much floats. You get caught up in like this moderate effort and you're developing your LT system very nicely, but it you could set up a plateau there and I it's mm. something I feel like I've experienced. So you
0: would even do longer sessions like 3 by 3 miles and allow yourself rest in between there, true rest, let the heart rate come back down so you can make you can get 9 miles of I guess <laughs> technically over speed training for the marathon in a sense, running faster and harder than marathon pacing so even even not for just like somebody thinks true rest you think oh I'm gonna go run quarter mile repeats and I'm gonna get 60 seconds rest like you'll do you'll do that style with some of the longer intervals as well
1: yeah and then I mean, we'll do the shorter ones too we'll do 10 by K we'll do 16 by 400 um, and I, I think that is a necessary component and I mean that's kind of how training goes where you have mm-hmm. to touch so many different energy systems just to make sure they don't whatever uh, Mm-hmm. Just go away, right? You don't. The efficiency use it, you lose is huge.
0: it. I I for sure agree with that. So, if you were to design I'm going to give you 2 weeks. 2 weeks of quality. If you were to design the perfect 2 weeks in the majority, like let's say 6 weeks out from your marathon. You're in the thick of it, right? Half marathon marathon. Give me the quality sessions you would prescribe yourself in those 2 weeks. Like what ones would
1: Oh, it's easy. Oh, okay, this great. Easy.
0: What would be the go-to's?
1: Yeah, so I, I think two-week cycle is actually pretty perfect for what I would, I would write up. Um, so let's yeah. start with Monday. You said have easy, easy. Um, so Tuesday, I throw in just drills and strides after your run. Just hold on, I'm gonna stop you a little bit. What, what are uh, drills? What, would... what
0: are drills and strides yeah. to you?
1: Just so after you finish, uh, I usually like to do it if I'm doubling on my second run, but first one works too. Just at the end of the run, you just do like some high knees, some A skips, B skips, um, and then whatever, like four to eight strides, the length of a block, it doesn't matter, 100 meters, a little longer. And I I started easy, but I like to be like really like almost sprinting by the end, just to try to wake up some of those fast-twitch mm-hmm. muscle fibers. Um, and I find if I do that the day before a workout, I feel a lot better for the next day and get out of, like, the easy miles, just a little Yeah, yeah those uh,
0: strides. I prescribe the same for my athletes. Um, I prescribe usually, like, six with 15 seconds rest, so pretty quick turnaround, just enough to catch your breath and move, but uh-huh. it's quick. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's 15 a, to 20, se- or 30 seconds rest. Um, but nonetheless, um, they usually feel pretty gunky. I feel like after, like after a recovery run. And then by the last one or two, you just feel like things are opening up and becoming a little more efficient, but um, okay. Yeah. Got it. So that's, I was just curious there. So then Wednesday must be quality.
1: Yeah. Wednesday I would do a, uh, a longer fart lick. So at least an hour work um, to start an hour and then maybe pushing that up to like 75. I wouldn't do more than two at 75 or longer. So if you're going to do a 75 and then like an 80 to 90, like whatever, two and a half weeks out or um, even a little bit earlier, you could do three or four weeks out, but that would be that Wednesday. What would be the and work? And then out? that's a pretty What'd good be the work I, So I would, yeah, pick it. Let's call it, I mean, I love the three, two, so let's call it the three, two, okay. an hour. Um, and that's going to get you pretty good. So I, that night I would also do strength. We didn't really touch on gym work, but that would be the day to do it. If I was writing the schedule. Um, and then, so just one weight session that week. Um, and then Sunday long, I would do quality long. So let's call it, uh, let's call it two and a half hours with 90 minutes of moderate in there. And so moderate being like marathon pace plus 30 to 45 yep. seconds. um. And, I mean, even progressing a little bit, getting down to, like, marathon effort by the end is fine. But effort, not pace, for sure. Um, and, and trainers, whatever, yep. don't overthink that one. And then, so the next And would week, that be more like, sorry to I interrupt, two but qualities, is that almost like a, not
0: a progression long run, yeah, but like a pseudo progression, like the last 90 minutes would be your hardest or more purpose in there? Or would you just jam it in the middle and then cruise home? Yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean, that could even be two hours um, with just like 30 minutes warm-up and mm-hmm. then finish with the 90, uh, just depending on where you're at with your mileage and your build-up. Um, but, yeah, I don't think you need to cool down yeah, after something either. like that. Okay. Yeah. Um, so then Tuesday, Friday, I would do quality sessions the next week, and one would be speed, one would be longer LT with standing rest or slow jogging rest. Um. I'm trying to think how I would do that. I think I would do the speed session Tuesday. Okay. Yeah, definitely. So speed session Tuesday, something on the track. Let's call it sixteen by four hundred. Start at five k pace, get down to like mile to three k by the end. Yeah. So moving pretty good. Minute rest, and then Friday, and then that day I would do either strength or plyos. Um, that evening, uh, maybe okay. strength. Yeah. And then Friday, let's call it a three-by-three-mile, four-minute standing, easy jog rest, and shooting for, like, half-marathon effort on those.
0: And then you're probably following that up with a long run then the weekend.
1: Yeah, and over-distance, so, like, longer than your previous weekend was, but just easy effort. And I I don't ever think, like, easy-easy, like, you're not, you should never be just jogging your long run, but... You don't need to get down to that moderate. um, Just, I mean, let the progression happen naturally. So
0: two real banger – well, one one real heavy workout week one followed with some purpose to your long run, and then two pretty heavy hitters week two. So you go back and forth between, like, one big swing week one, two big swings week two, and then –
1: Well, I don't think that 400 should take that much out of you, that 400 workout. Comparatively. Yeah, that's fair. I wouldn't call that a big one. I, I I would call that more of like a freshen up, like coming off of the long run to just feel good at those faster mm. paces again. So by, by the time you get to Friday, you're not feeling like mm. that's a sprint.
0: That makes sense. Although I would say if you're getting down to 5K or mile mile pace, you're ripping pretty good. All right, let's call it <laughs> 5K. Okay, let's not, let's okay. okay. so fast. that would be the <laughs> ideal training week and. <laughs>
1: That one gets fun though. Come on, when you've been when you've been doing marathon training, and you can, you can just go rip some four hundreds. that's just fun.
0: I agree. I, I did a I did a twenty four <laughs> by four hundred after I got back from a vacation I just took sixty seconds rest. I worked into it, got turnover going, and I don't know what purpose it served other than the fact it let me run fast and I didn't and I enjoyed it, and it did make everything kind of brought me back to life. So I can't I can't argue with that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then everything else is, is like recovery type running, easy type running.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I didn't give all the drills and strides, but I would probably do in the second week, like Thursday drills and strides, or even like a eight to 10 by 15 mm-hmm. second hill sprints. Um, I, I feel like that sometimes can like almost activate more muscles without or the, the bigger leg muscles without even without the pounding, just the uphill and then just walk down the hill jog it slowly take as much time as you want
0: um i'm a big proponent of the uphill work these days uh even if there's no uphill racing on on the calendar um curious you said your strength work Mm -hmm. what type of strength work gets prescribed for a a road racer half marathon marathon like what does that strength day look like
1: yeah um so i think that changes a lot from for the time of year. Right now I'm kind of in like I'd call it a base phase. Um, so I am hitting like heavy, heavy weights. So I'll be doing like I mean, I don't know, you probably it doesn't sound heavy to you, but I'll be hitting like two twenty five on oh, the nice. hex bar. Um, like five by five. And then like just hip band stuff and like whatever, like single leg RDLs, that mm-hmm. kind of stuff to go along with it. But I, I would say the big strength hit would be the hex bar stuff. Um, and that's really just to like build out that muscle recruitment and muscle power. And I do find that like, it kind of inhibits some training. So that's why I would do it more in a base phase and back off the weights as we get closer to races and the quality mm-hmm. work matters more. But I think having that muscle power definitely helps. When oh yeah. To I season. agree. So
0: you guys will, you'll deadlift, And I'm a big fan of the hex bar, especially how it, like, sits in your hips versus a straight bar. Um, I I like the hex bar. Um, Mm -hmm. So, a lot of lower body focus for your strength session. You're not doing much for the upper body.
1: No, I don't. I don't personally. um, I don't know. Probably stupid, but I just, like, worry about putting on Mm -hmm. unnecessary weight, which there probably isn't such a thing as unnecessary weight, considering, like, how much bang for your buck you get for a pound of muscle, but... Whatever, you don't see bodybuilders
0: <laughs> running marathons fast. So I would say there is such a thing as unnecessary weight. Pecs don't help you run faster. There's no, I think that's a truth. So you'll leave it alone completely. Focus on lower body. Uh, do you guys squat or lunge Bulgarian split squat? Or is it mostly mostly the hex bar and the Romanians?
1: Yeah, I, I think it, it's, it is very important to switch it up from time to time. Um, yeah, with the squats, straight bar, just I, I think is I don't know, kind of with everything as you change up the stimulus, everything seems to improve. So I think that is important. Just for me at home, all I have mm-hmm. is the hex bar, so I usually gravitate towards that. But if I do get out to the gym, I'll okay. change it up.
0: Well, I'm glad to hear that lower lower body work is happening because I, you know, I'm sure you know plenty of runners who don't touch it, or is that not happen anymore? In college, mm-hmm. we didn't go to the weight room. No, I think, I mean, I I think there mother, are, yeah. And uh, we never, I mean, our whole team, we never, the weight room wasn't a thing. We didn't go to the weight room in college. I don't know about you, but none of the runners in my era were brought up in the weight room. So I had to figure that all out on my own afterwards. So I, I wonder if that still is a trend that continues today.
1: Mm-hmm. Do you find the benefit for you is durability or performance?
0: Um or both? I find this is going to sound silly, but I find I am able to predict my, I can predict my race efforts and I can guarantee a better day on race day when I pull lower body stimulus due to less damage. So not only do I think it helps with efficiency, I think strength over time for me, I would say stay power more than anything, but, um, That's another stimulus. And when you pull stimulus, your legs freshen up. And so if I start backing off lower body stimulus, my body is typically running on a compromised system. Uh, I find that on race day, I can predict that I will feel well, which sounds silly. And if it's only for that, that's helpful. As in the legs are more bouncy. They're more springy. I've worked through the fatigue of damaged beforehand. And then if I just do a nice light session the week of the race, and I back off by twenty percent the week prior, um, I'm almost guaranteed to have fresh, springy legs that are like I don't know what to do with myself.
1: Wow. Okay, I hadn't considered it from that perspective, but that it's like would one definitely do one it. aspect
0: of tapering in quotes I can control other than my running. So, um,
1: yeah, I don't very know. Cool. But then
0: you could argue the fact that if I'm running, like I do heavy leg work on Thursdays and often I wake up Saturday morning and I do my quality or long runs on Saturday and I'm stiff. Like where my hamstrings and certain of my glutes back there from either heavy squatting or Bulgarian split squatting, like I am compromised for my Saturday sessions very often. And one could argue that then I'm not working efficiently and it's, it's limiting my potential there. So like you could, you could rebut me if you had to pretty easily.
1: Yeah. But I, it's hard to know. Like, I don't think it's a solid, there's any solid science there, right? Whether like, is it an advantage that you are, Feeling heavy for that long run, and you're actually getting more of a race-specific stimulus that you wouldn't otherwise if you were just yeah. Fresh it's all an the ultra time. and
0: trail racing sort of approach sometimes. Like, yeah, I'm gonna go and do legs on Friday, and then I'm gonna go for a three-hour slog on Saturday, knowing that that's actually compounded interest on uh, damage, which ideally would uh, result in more adaptation. So there's like a little bit of it. There. Do you um do you pull leg work completely like week of two weeks out? Like when it comes to heavy mileage last three to six weeks
1: yeah week up for sure and mostly just because i'm not I'm, i i'm not good at getting in the gym and not like mm-hmm. and just going through the motions so it's just safer just to not do it um i will go light two weeks out and just try to yeah, hold so back you do a little similar bit.
0: approach maybe for different thought processes but mm-hmm. that's how i look at it
1: yeah. I don't know. Maybe yeah. it's doing what you're saying and yeah. I don't even realize it. So,
0: um, so I have one last line of questioning for you. Um, and this is the heavy hitter right here, Tyler. This is the one I've actually been waiting for.
1: Uh huh. Oh no.
0: Um, and that is, uh, what, what, what to do? Like, what does a, a high level half marathon or marathoner when he's at the point where, um, you are at, which is like running very well consistently, but trying to, again, get faster at this point where you've repeatedly shown similar results over the last few years, maybe. And you're probably at that point like, okay, like your mind's like, how do I get better? How do I get better? Where is my breakthrough going to happen? What are the thoughts that cross your mind and what are the things that you're considering or like have been thrown at you to consider? Anything?
1: I thought you were going to ask me what to do and I was going to say, well, well, I might. might. Um, Yeah, I mean... I don't know. I think I'm working through though at the moment. And like I said, I think it is important to change up the stimulus and break out of this This advice mm. I'm giving today with the float fartlicks and the same thing, this two-week cycle that I just repeat mm. for years on end. Um, I mean, diminishing marginal returns, right? It's You keep doing the same thing, and it's benefiting you less and less because you're just so adapted to it that you're not even – generating a stimulus your body is just ready to handle it so i mean within reason without going too crazy on anything i think there are some things that excite me and like i mentioned like take three months train for a mile see if i can run 404 i don't know i'd like to think i could we'll see maybe i'm dead wrong um get on the track twice a week i don't know and, or the other end, right? With the longer stuff. I mean, I've already been trying that. I've already been pushing. Um, my goal was to run over 26 miles 50 times this year. I'm way off of pace. I've only done it six times. But I've done a couple 30 milers, a couple uh, around 28, 27, 26. So trying to push that end too, just to, I don't know, confuse the body, force a little bit of fat burning. Um, some adaptation on that end. I don't even, I take, just take like one or two gels. So I'm definitely trying to push the fat mm. adaptation there. Um, and I mean, there's just a lot of like experimentation here. Um, I don't know. Double thresholds are in these days. Haven't tried those yet, but the, the theory behind the double thresholds where I don't, I don't know if it's so important that you're doing two threshold workouts a day, but you see in a lot of the literature about Mm -hmm. double threshold workouts, their efforts are way slower than what you would think of traditionally as threshold. So me talking about threshold as half marathon pace. That's not what they're running. They're running half marathon plus 15 to 20 seconds. So I think that is probably a lesson I should be learning and something I preach, but don't always practice in that LT threshold pace is not what I've been doing it's not half marathon pace. you shouldn't be pressing mm-hmm. in those workouts and you can get the same stimulus at i the same stimulus at five times as i can at 455 um but i think all that to say is there's a lot of different routes and everything you try takes a while to see the results that it it's or the effect that it has um so i don't have a good <laughs> why answer it's confusing. I mean, well, me I mean,
0: and and everything that you've we've talked about today has served you very well. Like, obviously, it served you very well, but you are right. At some point, stimulus becomes less and less effective as you adapt and become used to it, and the cage might need to be rattled. It's a very, it's hard because what you have done has worked, and it and it it has worked. To a certain extent and then we are we're all going to reach our ceiling somewhere right like it's everybody reaches their ceiling and then one day looks back and be like that was the best i was didn't know it at the time but that's it and i'm not saying that's your case because it's not but point being is if you've been at it for a while yeah it's uh you hit a crossroads and if no if following the process hasn't forced you to make a notable jump in your performances you have to be rattling around with all these things see from the outside i think I see like 120 miles a week. I see 10-mile doubles. I see long runs. I think like, I mean, you can go further, of course, and you're going to kill it. You're going to crush it. You're going to smoke it. But that's a lot of, it sounds like a lot of volume to me. Maybe in your world it's not, but to me it's a lot of volume. I just wonder if you smashed like biomechanical efficiency work down your own throat, if that would just make 450 pace feel like butter no matter what. I don't know. I'm, I am don't know what to tell you. I don't... What are you leaning towards? What are you leaning towards?
1: Uh, I guess I was leaning towards the shorter distance stuff, but it's so hard yeah. in the winter here that I kind of just fell into the the old habit of the same thing I've been doing. Um, which it, it feels like a little bit of a wasted period of time here where I continued to stagnate but not made the changes that I want mm-hmm. to make. Um. But, yeah, I mean, like you said, like, biomechanical efficiency. And if I get that mile time faster, like, you got to imagine. The mess would follow. I mean, so I ran that 8K a couple weeks ago. Um, We went through the – I went through the mile in 440. The pack went through in 430. And I was just – I looked down at my watch, and I'm like, there's – I feel gassed. And I, I shouldn't have been. I think if I was a little mm-hmm. bit flat that day. I hadn't quite – I, I – had done a little more work that day that week than i would have normally done for a race but i i think that's like it's hard for me to fathom that that front group was running 430s and that was and they're good they're just gonna be fine another four mm-hmm. miles you know so that i think that is these guys i'm racing that is the difference where i don't have that top end i can grind the 440s but if you're telling me I run a 430 and then run 440s afterwards i'm already mm-hmm. in the well so that that is a clear missing piece.
0: I'm going to be very curious what you end up doing. Very curious what you end up doing. And you can't say this winter was wasted effort because it maintained. And maintaining is not easy to do at your level. Maintaining actually takes a lot of effing work. Especially when you're running that fast, right? I think it does.
1: Yes and no. I mean, there's there's a component of like lifetime mileage where, like I don't know, I could take a month off and still run an AK and 25 flat. Mm-hmm. I think I haven't yeah. done it, but I don't know. I think you like once you aerobic developments, they take a long time to earn, but they take a long time to go away too. Yeah. So I'd like to think that uh, you're just always piling that up and it's not just going to disappear no, overnight I
0: agree with you there. You can be three weeks back to running and feeling pretty. Once you get that efficiency back down, you can be feeling pretty good if you've been consistent your whole life. Um, okay. Well, mm-hmm. I guess uh, two last quick ones. Then one, um, I've been seeing you've been running in a few different shoes, and my co-host would be very upset if I didn't ask you about your experimentation with super shoes and what uh, <laughs> what you're what you're enjoying these days. Like if you had to talk through your super shoe use on the roads, which which have served you the best?
1: Yeah. So traditionally, I was always um, Vaporflies. Last fall tc running didn't have any flies in stock and i was coming up on a race so i ended up trying out the uh, meta speed mm-hmm. edges the asics and most people wear the sky but i got the edges because they felt better um but the whole like the the difference between the edge and sky is they say like the edge is for cadence runners so to pop you up quicker whereas the sky you're getting more mm. power out of every stride um and I I actually found that to ring true. Like I felt like those shoes were popping up really quick, and I really liked them. Um, I have had the same pair since then, um, and they're getting a little old. They're losing a little pop. so I only have a mm-hmm. hundred miles in them, but I feel like they've already lost their pop, which is is a durability problem. I don't think Nikes seem to lose theirs that quick. So this week, two weekends ago, eight K, I wore the the Meta Speeds, and I I felt like mm-hmm. they had lost a lot of pop. Um, I wore the Nikes the last weekend, and I actually feel like I'm going back, turning the back-to-back back direction. So I don't know; still experimenting, but it is nice that we've arrived at a point where it's not just like a Nike-dominated mm-hmm. market. Um, I have a teammate who just ran a two twelve in the um, the Saucony ones. Which ones? The Endorphins um, pros. People are running fast, and uh, not so the new one, um, the big green one that just came mm-hmm. out. Not that one. I don't know what the other one's um, called.
0: My co-host would know.
1: I don't. Okay. So there's like the elite and the pro, right? It's the less bulky okay. one is the one he likes.
0: So you still come back to your Vaporfly, old faithful.
1: I, I just got. I just ordered the three. So, uh, well, I, I think. I don't know. I'm still experimenting, but I think the Vaporflies are always safer. Like I wouldn't. I wouldn't wear the A6 for a marathon just because, like, a lot of a lot of time. I want to. I need that comfort. The Nikes always just feel like the safest option. But like I said, it's not like a dominant dominated. They're dominating the market anymore. I think you're not a fan of the alpha. (laughs) I've run them once. So I don't think I can say, but um, I got them the day before the Olympic trials and I decided to wear them without ever wearing them before. And I had a really bad race. So I have, blamed that race on the alphas i don't know <laughs> if that's true or not that it's their fault but i uh, sold them the next day and and Dude, not running is again. such a
0: heady game isn't it did you was it uh you you were gifted those weren't you the day before yeah, the okay, marathon
1: but...
0: yeah and so many yeah. people rolled yeah, the dice cool.
1: with... they, had, uh, they just had a room with just piles so of many boxes. people rolled the
0: dice with those that year that was a few years ago and every like people wore them for the first time on race day you weren't the only one there was a a lot of people chose to do
1: that didn't they yeah, yeah. It Kipchoge wears these. I'm going to wear them. They just didn't work for you, huh? <laughs> did, they, uh,
0: did they tear the crap out of your arches? Uh, no, I didn't
1: have an issue with that. I just felt they like they were they clunky.
0: They are clunky, but it's also a springboard. I don't know. Alpha's for me for life. If I, if I start touching under five-minute pace, I like to go to the Vapors, but uh, anything slower than five-minute pace, I really like my Alphas. As soon as I need to get on my toes, the Vapors seem to really shine for me. But I'm also carrying around 170 pounds and I think the, uh, the pillowy alphas served me well.
1: Yeah. I, I might, I might, I've been open to give another try. to seeing like how they seem to but work. If for I a have a bad racing
0: issue, that shoe is dead to me. That shoe can get lost. <laughs> 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 yep. Exactly. Over. Um, all right. And then, uh, I just want to know what your racing plans are the rest of the year. What's in stone? What do you have coming up? Um, you mentioned a fifty k on the roads.
1: Yeah, so headed out to Madison in three weeks doing the uh, Mad City fifty k. Um, I did check out that course on the we were out of Chicago two weeks ago. So on the way out there, I checked out the course. Not not no, the most flat there. I but, moved here uh, from Madison.
0: I moved here from we'll Madison, see. and you can you can find hills okay. very easily there. Nice.
1: Yeah. So uh, I I mean it'll I'm sure it'll be a solo effort. I don't think. It's -hmm. a huge race. Um, But yeah, I I think it'll be fun to give it a try. I've been talking about doing a 50K for six years since I did my last one. So uh, about time I actually follow through with it.
0: Uh, Anything else then after that? Are you taking things one race at a time right now?
1: Grandma's half is on the schedule. Um, Thinking about maybe switching to the full, but half for the time being.
0: And then that is the last scheduled race for now? Yes. I'm thinking of jumping in some of these 5Ks on the track this summer, Tyler, if they're coming back to the Twin Cities, right? I assume.
1: I hope they are. Yeah. Um, The Tracksmith ones, yeah. Those are fun. I'm thinking of showing up for those. But Yeah, just if I can give a quick sales pitch on those. It's like they do 10 heats starting at, like, whatever, 4 p.m. until 10 p.m. First one's, like, 10-minute pace per mile nine minute pace just all the way up opportunities for everybody and i mean when does someone who's running nine minute miles get to do a track 5k it's super fun um they let the, the fans go all the way up to lane three so the people are the runners are running in one and two and then the fans mm-hmm. are there just drinking beers and cheering for you it's it's a really fun environment um and then they do the fastest heat the last one of the night and uh everyone's uh had a couple beers by then and it makes for a <laughs> the racers very haven't, fun race. haven't had okay I <laughs> not mean... the runners by the way the ones who <laughs> ran the previous <laughs> so you got some
0: enthusiastic people in the crowd <laughs> is what i'm understanding yeah the pictures yeah, look awesome fun. the energy looks I, uh, great there last... like the, you're under the lights basically
1: did you see the finish line where you took last second year? I, led, I led the whole thing yeah i led the whole thing and uh Another local guy, Connor Wreck. He ran a 13 second last hundred and just made me look uh, foolish. Didn't
0: you run like 14, <laughs> 20 something there? Yeah. Um. I
1: think 25. Yeah, years. It's good
0: energy. So they they put these tracksmith races on across the country in some of the major cities, and they came here twice, didn't they? They're yeah.
1: Yeah. So most cities they do twice, um, like a month apart, which gives you. I may make those to my A races.
0: A. I may. I may circle those on the calendar. I'm at a I'm at a uh crux in my racing as well, Tyler Tyler, trying to figure out what to do uh with my fitness. My endeavors of Spartan racing and OCR, they've shifted the format that doesn't excite me. And so I'm thinking of hitting the roads and trails, which I haven't focused on exclusively since college. <laughs> I mean it's been like twenty years. So I might Sounds I might fun. You.
1: Yeah. If you got any uh, if you need any advice or help figuring out where I to need, where to i go. might i need Let some rabbits
0: is what i need to i'm lone wolfing it out here every day all day every day all day so that's the biggest thing you know
1: okay yeah mm-hmm. well if we're not Are you going to show up
0: to uh afton again is that a one-off
1: i don't think so i think we have uh my wife's cousin's getting married that weekend so i'll be down in like salt lake city um running plenty mm-hmm. of trails in that time but i not in skirt
0: in the competition tyler
1: so you can take that record is
0: lofty there's a lofty (laughs) time gap there um if people want to follow along with you uh i believe what are you tyler.german on instagram or what is your handle
1: just tylergerman and that's uh just instagram yeah
0: j-e-r-m-a-n-n you typically keep it to your running on there so it's a it's a running exclusive gun yeah probably more fun on the strava i'm a little more active yeah, there if you want to feel bad about yourself go follow tyler on strava you can do that get your daily dose of humility <laughs> um all right well any any other advice anything any advice to anybody i mean i asked you a lot of specific questions today which i kind of had queued up but any advice for the runners trying to get better at the half marathon marathon any blanket advice we didn't cover for for those that aren't that are human
1: yeah, I mean, I just think I'm probably given a bit of the wrong message here about, like, all this periodization and changing things up. I mean, the system I did has worked for me for six years, and I've gotten better consistently. So I I wouldn't be so quick to change what you're doing or feel like you need to, whatever, change things up so often. Um, doing the same thing can yield improvements for a long time. And I I don't think you need to overcomplicate things until you notice that mm-hmm. you're really stagnating, which is usually pretty far down the line.
0: People think stagnating like a couple of weeks or a month or two, they're like I'm stagnating, I need to shift things and and they're very wrong. It's it's, you know, builds and races and recovery and repeat those cycles years right like stagnating people think they know what stagnating is they're not they're mm-hmm. wrong it, it's a much larger picture than that wouldn't you agree
1: mm-hmm. yeah definitely well
0: sir i appreciate you taking the time after uh traveling race weekend and everything i will uh i'll be keeping an eye on your 50k yeah, yeah always I appreciate fun to talk. It. one day i am gonna bug you i am gonna bug you to get together to go run um I don't know what day that will be yet when we have clear roads. I would love to. I'd love to tag along. Uh, <laughs> That's what I was
1: going to say. We need some clear ground us. first.
0: But uh, yeah, man, appreciate your time. Go check out Tyler on Instagram. And um, till next time, sir.
1: Sounds good. Thanks for having me on.
0: Yeah, thanks, Tyler.